Test, test. Hello. I figured it out. I figured it out. Okay. My bad. Well, for those of you who have ever seen Idiocracy, we <laughs> seem to be experiencing some technological differences. Um, hello, and welcome to Lost in the Long Box for Wednesday, February the 6th. Um, had a little bit of a technical difficulty there, but i got to tell you, I don't think I've ever seen Mad Men that flustered. <laughs> I was pretty flustered. Because <laughs> me and Thomas were like, are mics hot? And then <laughs> Mad Men like, hello, hello. And he like stands up, mics are not hot. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll see why you figured it out. So I'm Randall. we got Thomas over here. Hello. Mad Men doing the production work. Enos um, is unfortunately stuck in a vehicle on a road somewhere. So hopefully he'll make it here before the show ends. Uh, so, before we get down into it, how's everybody's weekends? Oh, good. Pretty good. Can't yeah, complain. Good. Did yeah. you watch the bowl of super on Sunday? I don't know if I'd call it super, but I, I did watch it. I I missed the actual Avengers Endgame. Apparently, that was the one time that I didn't pause a TV to go upstairs for something. Yeah. And someone posted on Facebook, the Avengers Endgame trailer. And I'm like, I didn't see no Avengers Endgame trailer. So yeah. I got to see that. I got to see the new Captain Marvel trailer. Right. Yep. I was going to say... Uh, so here's my thoughts on both those trailers. Um, first off, the Avengers Endgame trailer. I'm very proud of all you people out there in comic book land who didn't lose your crap about, oh, my God, oh, my God, it looks so great. Because, again, just like the first trailer, they didn't show you anything. And I remember the first one where people were like, it looks fantastic, it looks awesome. I'm like, they didn't show you anything. Why are you all getting excited? Same thing with this one. Um, I will say... Um, now, it's not going to stop me from seeing it, okay? I'm still going to go see this movie, but I'm still underwhelmed by the Captain Marvel trailers. The one thing I noticed, and tell me if you, saw the, if you noticed this, um, we got the same three, or it's the same heroic pose three times in that trailer. Yeah. The whole Carol stands up in the midst of the people with the ever so heroic tilt of the one shoulder towards the camera. Three times you saw it in that trailer, and I'm thinking, hmm, hero pose. okay, we're going to just repeat the same hero pose over and over in the same movie. Two of them, she's out of, one of them is she's in her combat greens. I don't remember what she's wearing in the other one, and then the third time they show it, she's Captain Marvel. So I'm like, all right, I get to look forward to seeing the same shot over and over. Uh, we got anything <laughs> news or noteworthy? Bless you. Gesundheit. Thank you. Guten Tag. Oh, wait, wrong word. Sorry. So, what did we find out this week that was kind of interesting that I thought, huh, how cool. Um, Young Justice number one is going back for a second printing. How? Oh, I'm glad I picked up my first printing the other way. Now, it's the reason I bring that up is because Marvel seems to just do multiple printings like they're, you know, dropping candy into a Halloween bucket. Uh, bucket. Mm-hmm. But DC doesn't do them that much. So, I was actually surprised to read that. Um, Young Justice going back for a second printing. And, oh my lord, I put this on the Lost in the Long Box Facebook page. But did you see the trailer for the DC animated Justice League versus Fatal Five? I have not seen oh, it yet. Oh, no. it's so awesome. You, you can say what you want about the DC movies and whether they're good or bad or what have you, but they cannot be beat when it comes to the animated films. DC has always put out, they are, brought it when absolutely. it comes to the animated Did you universe. see that trailer? I have not, no. I put it on the Longbox page on Facebook. You need to go check it out. I am not kidding. It's amazing. Here's the thing that I really love about it, and it's kind of like took me back. The Fatal Five are typically Legion of Superhero enemies in the 31st century. So the fact that they are bringing them back um, just floored me to begin with. And then we get to see, um, and I can't remember her name. Um, she's, also been, she's been known as Jade, the daughter of Alan Scott. I was also Green Lantern at some point. 
Oh um, no, I'm sorry. I back up. I got to take that back. I'm sorry. She's actually it's actually Jessica Cruz. Grand okay. Lantern. Jessica Cruz. So that actually it looks really good. So again, if you haven't seen it, guys, it is on the Lost in the Long Box Facebook. Check it out. Fantastic. Also, what else is going on? I kind of disagree with this one, but I get what they're doing. Uh, they have pretty much confirmed that Ben Affleck is not coming back as Batman huh. in in the Batman movie. Shame, My, he kind of did a good job. I, I, you know what? He didn't suck. Yeah, I actually liked it. Are I, they trying to go younger? Is that what they're doing? And or? I think that's what to do. I think they want to skew younger for the okay. next movie. So, so far, I haven't liked any of the names. Um, one of them that did get thrown out there is Robert Patterson. That was the guy from Twilight, right? Yes. Uh, and, nope. And I just went, oh, God. He may be a great actor, but that's all I think of him in. I've never seen the Twilight movies. I'm never going to see the Twilight movies. Yeah. I've just, no. No. Well, here's, here's the thing. We say that he might be a great actor, what have you, but all we've got to judge him against is those Twilight movies. That's he right. could be a very good actor, and we just don't know. Um, because all we've ever yeah. seen him in is, is Twilight. Yeah, stuff. haircut and no makeup. Who knows? He maybe can right. pull it off. So. Yeah, I remember back when those books were popular. A woman I worked with was trying to talk me into um, to reading them because because oh, yeah. I'm all about vampires. I like me some good vampire stories. Right. And she got to the part about them sparkling in yeah. the sun. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna. Pass. That's gonna be a hard pass right. for me. Um, and train of thought just derailed and went right off into the ditch. You were um, talking about the Batman people that were up for the role, right? Um, Patterson. Anyway, my, my, my point is there's been plenty of actors that I'm thinking, oh, God, really? And then you actually see them in something else and go, okay, I'll give you your props. And a classic case, if we can digress a little bit, was I remember when they first cast Tom Cruise for Vampire Lestat. Mm-hmm. And having read those books, I was cringing. I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, God, what are you doing? This is horrible, not Tom Cruise. Yeah, and then the, kind of too big of a name, I think. And then the movie came out, and I went, shit, he's actually really good at this. <laughs> well, he wasn't bad. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about that, too. I mean, another one just from, you know, the Batman franchise. Michael Keaton made a great Batman. Right. I mean, I, I would have, at, at the time, I mean, now. Yeah, when it, it was announced. Yeah, when was it was like, announced, really? I was like, no, that's not going to work. But, you know, now I'd put, nowadays I'd put Michael Keaton as anything because I think he's a great actor. Right, but yeah. at the time, you know, it was like Michael Keaton as Batman? Because he had, he had been pigeonholed into, like, comedy movies. Right, yeah, I, remember, I remember movies. him as Mr. Mom, you know. Yeah. So I was like, Mr. Batmom, no, that's not going to work. There's and, a, then he was great. There's a um, uh, an internet movement which is trying to gain some steam. People want them to finally make the Batman Beyond movie. With Michael Keaton playing the older Bruce Wayne, that would be great. So why not? Yeah, that would be. Gr- I would. I would enjoy that. That would be good. I liked Batman Beyond the the animated series. Yes, that was good too. That was fantastic. And I love the. Uh, I love the fact that he even admitted that okay, my career kind of went south after the Batman movies when he made Birdman because it's an actor who played a popular superhero and his career went to hell after right. that. And Birdman was fantastic. That's a great. It's a real. It's a hard movie to watch though. You got to get past like that first hour because it does drag. I will agree with that. My wife made me go see that with her when we were still dating and. For the beginning of that movie, I was sitting there watching. It's like, what on earth has this woman made me watch? Right. And then by the end of it, I was like, wow, that was great. I, I'm glad we came to it. Well, part of my problem, too, is uh, I, I really love Emma Stone, mm-hmm. and I hated her in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what else knows, uh, newsworthy? Um, so this is one that I'm just kind of scratching my head. And I got to admit, it's not just for this movie, but everyone where they do that. So I guess there's an estimate from Box Office Pro that says Captain Marvel is on track to have a $160 million opening. Fantastic. 
Where are you getting your info from? Yeah, right. I'd like to know where they get that from. I guess maybe from pre-sales? They maybe? Didn't, I would assume that, but there was no mention of pre-sales in the article. I mean, you almost have to think that they have something on pre-sales. Otherwise, how would you know? I, I guess yeah, maybe... I don't know how the, the I, math involved in that kind of metric. I, yeah, I mean, I guess there's some kind of formula. If there's this many pre-sales, then there'll be this many that, you know, yeah. typically there's this many that aren't pre-sales, and we can determine that. I don't know. And I'm totally fine with that, but here's, here's the thing. The article I read... There was no mention of that. At least when they were talking about the projected opening for Aquaman, they said based on the pre-sales, it's going to make this much, and based on what it had done in China already. I haven't seen anything on pre-sales or even a an overseas release for Captain Marvel yet, and they're saying it's on track for a hundred sixty million dollar weekend. Hmm. Show me, the, show me the numbers. Where are you getting that? Yeah, do you think this movie's going to do well in China? I don't know. Ooh. Yeah, because they're still a little sexist there, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So this might this one might not be one of Marvel's bigger movies in China. It might be. You they're, never know. But I I have a feeling they they are still a bit of human rights tramplers, aren't they? Yeah, this one this one might not hit so well over there. I mean, the the new Star Wars movies have not done well over there. So <laughs> they didn't do well over here. So. Oh come on! I mean, you, they may you, you may not have particularly cared for them, but they were money makers. Did you see Solo? No, I did not. I did not. I have not seen Two Solo. Two hours, I'm never getting back. I, uh, <laughs> I, I started watching it again. I got five minutes in, and I turned it off. Yeah, I, I have not seen it. I've, I've seen you know, the, um, the Force Awakens. I saw Rogue One. I can't watch him twice. The Last Jedi. But I have not seen, I've not seen Solo. I don't know why. We just never got around Rogue, to seeing Rogue it. Rogue One is the only one that I actually Oh, that was liked. a great one. That was a great one. Um, Last Jedi, Force Awakens, they're poo. I couldn't stand them. Well, so you know, the funny thing about the, the the Last Jedi is when I left the Last Jedi, I I liked it, and I still don't dislike it. But I don't know. It's I guess you know, having seen it a second time and you know everything, I don't like it as well as I did. All right, moving so. on. Um, Spider Man into the Spider Verse apparently just won seven awards at the forty six Annie Awards, including Best Animated Feature. Oh. Uh, I didn't even know the Annie Awards existed. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, they've had 45 of them previously. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I, so I went, I went ahead and Googled it. And as you would expect, yes, it is a series of awards for excellence in animation, both in film and television. Um, the thing is, they said that it won Best Animated Feature, and they said typically this has usually been a precursor to the Oscars. Hmm. that the movie that does well in Annie's usually goes on to do well at the Oscars. And they said the reason this is actually kind of huge news is because its competition for, for Best Animated was Incredibles 2. Oh, yeah. That is a big one. Wow. I never saw – I didn't see that one. I saw the first one. And I, I really enjoyed the first one. I wanted to see the second one. <laughs> I mean, where's my super suit? <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. It's not great. No. Oh, so I found this one hysterical, and I don't even know how this rumor got started. But they they had to confirm that no, Marvel Comics is not moving to the West Coast. They're staying in New York. And I read that. I'm like, how the hell did that even get started? <laughs> eh, someone posted something, and someone believed it, and it went viral, and blah blah blah, and right. stuff, stuff. Stuff. I couldn't imagine them being anywhere else. I'm kind of surprised DC moved out west. Well, and yeah. I remember. Well, when DC moved out west, I remember. An actual thing where I believe in all of their Marvel comics that week, they actually posted um, a picture of like some of the Marvel characters crying because their offices were empty over at DC. So I'd have to go Google that and look it up. I remember. Yeah, there was something that they did. I think they they did like they they even printed 
end them, you know, like, like buying good luck or something like right. that. Right, and, or, and like yeah. the character crying, right? Uh, yeah, I yeah, think, I, rem- I, I vaguely remember that. I'm going to have to go look it up and put it on the Lost in the Long Box uh, Facebook. All right, oh, and the new, uh, the best news all week. This one is just so giggle-worthy that I had to, like, mute myself at work so people didn't ask me why I was so laughing so hard. So, first off, before I even <laughs> say this, I am not condemning people who partake in this. I'm just stating as a record, but apparently all the pot smoking has finally eroded Kevin Smith's brain because he actually stated that a Tom Cruise Wolverine movie would make bank. What? <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, at least they'd have the height right this time. But you know, Hugh Jackson was that you know, would pretty would be tall. the only thing they have right. Yeah, I, I don't see Tom Cruise as a good Wolverine. He's, yeah, I mean, he's he's a good a good actor. I've seen him in a lot of stuff I liked, but. I love the the look on Mad Men's face. He's like, are you serious with this? Yes, Kevin Smith, he went so far to say it would break a a billion dollars if Tom Cruise was in Wolverine. I don't know. I don't know if I could see Maverick as, you know, Wolverine. And and I got to tell you, I sat there reading this and went, damn, Kevin, it's finally all kicked in. (laughs) Well, I mean, have you seen Tusk? No, I haven't. Oh, my God. That, whoa, that's where it kicked in. Trust me. Yes, I heard it was rather disturbing. Who was in that? Somebody huge was. Um, can't remember the actor now. Was it? Jonah? Was it? Was it Radcliffe? Was it Daniel Radcliffe? Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, yeah. I think so. But uh, now you know what's really bad, right? With our measly little subscribers that we have. Although I love every one of you guys, I know somehow this comment's going to make it back to um, Fat Man Beyond, the Kevin Smith podcast. <laughs> We're going to get called out. <laughs> oh, that would be great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that would be fantastic. If, if Kevin Smith called us out on, on his podcast, that would be amazing. It was Justin Long. Oh, yes, in, it was Justin Long. Tusk. I would be okay with Kevin Smith calling us out on his podcast and even insulting us. That, I'd still hang with him. Yeah, yes. that, that, even insulting us. That would still be great. You know? just, just and like, I would say this to his face. Tusk, what the hell are you thinking, dude? Yeah. Well, a lot of people said that with Jersey Girl, what the hell are you thinking? But that was actually a cute movie. Yeah, yeah. He was trying to go for that. Right. Yeah. It wasn't a typical Kevin Smith movie, which is what I think ticked a lot of people off. Yeah. But when you mentioned Justin Long, I think he's another one of the little Kevin Smith in a circle. Yeah, he, he gets cameos with because him. Because he was he's also buddy buddy with him, I'm he sure. was also in Zack and Miri Make a Porno. Love that movie. <laughs> That's a fantastic movie. Love that movie. It's really disturbing at times, especially the scene with the coffee drinking and <laughs> Huck it, chuck it football, yeah. <laughs> Which is, there's a really great story. Um, I don't know if you ever watched the extras on that. No, no. About, uh, do you have the DVD? No, no. I'll let you borrow the DVD to watch the extras on it because he talks about that particular scene and how the MPAA wanted to give him an X for that scene alone. Right, yeah. And he asked his producers, you know, if we, you know, the, the, or the studio, if we get an X, how bad is it? And he goes, well, if we get an X, we're dead in the water. It'll kill us. And Kim's like, I can't have an X. Yeah. So there's a really great bit in there about how he managed to get them to overturn that. Nice. So that's the news for the week. While we wait for uh, Enos to get here, um, we're going to go ahead and pay some bills, keep the lights on, keep the heat running. Madman, you're up. Yeah, Lost in the Long Box and FXBG Public Radio is sponsored by Danny's Pizza and Subs. Go to dannyspizzaandsubs.com and uh, take a look at their menu. Uh, they're located in the Lee's Hill Center, located at 10657 Spotsylvania Avenue in the south side of Fredericksburg. They have a limited delivery area of about five miles from that address. Uh, their hours are Monday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m., Friday and Saturday from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m., and on Sundays they're open from noon to 8 p.m. So go over to dannyspizzaandsubs.com where every day is buy one, get one free pizzas, and they have delicious subs. I had a 
what I have last? It was a Virginian last weekend. It was good. I highly recommend that. Hill Hippie yesterday on the show recommended the Cordon Bleu. So dannyspizzandsubs.com. You can reach them at 898-5008. Thank you for sponsoring us, Danny's Pizza. And if you guys go there, tell them we sent you. That's right. You know what we need to do? We need to make, make a jingle for them. <laughs> That'd be great. So I got my ukulele. A superhero-themed jingle I, for Danny's Pizza well, and Subs. Well, hang on. I, I want to say that Eck also said he's a somewhat decent singer. So I think we get it. What are you shaking your head? No. Uh, no. no. Yes, he's a very good singer. <laughs> so what we do is we get you on a ukulele, we get Eck to do some vocal accompaniment, and we make a little jingle for Danny's Pizzas and Subs, who will probably immediately pull a sponsorship going, what the hell? <laughs> if I they can... haven't for my show, then they won't. <laughs> yeah, it's one thing I can tell you that I don't have. It's musical talent in any way, shape, or form. I can't play an instrument. I can't sing. Just, oh, it's bad. I can listen to it really good. Yeah, I can listen to music. I can listen to it, you know, like a champ. Yeah. Um, So anyway, new releases came out today. I'm going to be honest. When it comes to new releases, I don't cover all the usual stuff. Like, for instance, Batman 64 came out today. Woohoo, right? Um, I cover the ones that are like the brand new stuff for jumping on points and what have you. But three of the ones that came out today... Dark Horse, and I was telling you guys about this a couple weeks ago, so I went ahead and grabbed uh, number one of it, Girl in the Bay. Yes, I saw a preview for that um, looking through the internet. That is one I definitely want to read. It looks really good. Crap balls. I meant to IM you today and ask you if you wanted me to pick you up one. Oh, yeah. Well, you can just, you know, if you picked one up, you can just lend me yours when you're done, if that's all right. I can do that. But yeah, yeah, so anyway, that's the murder mystery one I was telling you about with the girl who um, dies, gets dumped in the water, wakes up 20 years later going, where am I? So and someone else has taken over her life, apparently. Right. Sounds that's very right. interesting. There's like, there's like a doppelganger out there, Yeah, right? there's a doppelganger yeah, okay. out there that's taking over her life. That sounds like it's going to be really good. And, and it's Dark Horse, so that's why I'm really impressed because it shows, once again, that they're branching out from the licensed um, properties and – yeah, starting to endorse more original stuff, which I can't wait to see. I got to give it to Dark Horse. I figured when they lost the Star Wars license, that, that would be it for them. So, well, it wasn't. What did they lose first? Um, oh, that's right. We were making a joke that they lost the Star Wars license because you know Disney bought Star Wars, and so they pulled all the books back. But they were still thriving off of Aliens and Predator, right? right. Yeah, and Terminator, and then Disney bought Fox. Who happened uh, to own Terminator and Aliens and Predator? And I wonder if the people at Dark Horse just sit there and went, well, damn we, it. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got to write about something. That's right. Yeah, so. So what else we got coming out this week? Uh, also, Female Furies number one. Um, as you know, the Tom King Mr. Miracle series just wrapped. And the trade paperback, I think, is actually due out in a couple of weeks. But the follow-up to that, Female Furies with Big Barda and the girls from Granny School is dropping today. So, I personally didn't pick it up. I'm sorry. Well, I'm a big Barda fan. I don't really care to read about the rest of the ensemble with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless someone tells me it's really good. Knowing um, our friend over at Gateway, he might drop it in my box going, you missed this. You need to read it. Yeah. Um, and then Marvel, and I didn't realize they had rebooted this. So, surprise to me, Daredevil number one? Yeah, I saw that too. I, like like you said, I didn't realize there was a coming out with yet another Daredevil number one. But, you know. Well, Marvel, the house of reboots. Everybody, Enos is here. Enos is I'm so glad you're here, buddy. Yay. When he told me where you were, um, I said, well, he ain't making it. He, goes, he might make it. I'm like, have you ever tried to make it from blah, blah, blah on 17 to right. here at, after 6 o'clock? And he's like, no. And I'm like, give it a shot sometime. <laughs> well, one of the good things about uh, 
My late father was worked for VDOT for 43 years. So you know all the shortcuts? Yeah, my father taught me there's more than one way to get somewhere. So, and the route that I took got me here much faster than if I took 95. So, awesome. So, um, I already covered the new releases and I covered the nose, the nose, God, the news and noteworthy stuff. See how I just mushed the word there? <laughs> However, if you know of anything that happened over the week that you said, hey guys, did you hear blah, blah, and you want to drop that, go right ahead. What's that you got? Have you addressed the. Uh... I have not. Give it right to Madman. Madman, I'm telling you, you will love this book. Uh, let me set it up for you. By the way, listeners, Enos is handing Madman the trade edition of Superman, Lois, and Clark, and that is not based off the Dean Kane show. Um, <laughs> but the whole premise behind that, Madman, is you obviously know Flashpoint and New 52 and how they rebooted the universe. Right. Well, when Disney made their move to the West Coast, they did um, a special fill-in series for that two months that they were moving called Convergence. The miniseries was kind of okay, but they did a whole bunch of uh, two-issue miniseries villains that went on. So they had, like, Convergence, you know, Wonder Woman, Convergence Batman. They had Convergence Action Comics, Convergence Superman. Well, the whole premise behind it was this creature from from the Convergence miniseries, and I – Telos, that's it. That Telos. Okay. Was grabbing all these cities and – locales from other worlds across all the universes and he was putting them in like little special dome cities um and they were living out their lives on this planet and he once he finally came up and told him okay all these cities are going to go to war and whoever survives will be able to go on and pick whatever world they want to live on well you find out that the metropolis that he picked from this was the pre-flashpoint superman and lois um so when they got Victor, you know, he won. He says, what planet would you like to go to? He realized that the pre-Flashpoint Earth was no longer there. So he elected to be put on the New 52 Earth. So, and even now with the rebirth, it's still the New 52 characters, but still our original Superman is in that world. And that book sets up how he gets there and, and how he ends up revealing himself. It's a fantastic read. It's real uh, confusing. Probably, I, oh yes, it, it it'll make more sense as you read it because that's actually a great standalone story. Oh, okay, um, but it's fantastic. Can't wait to read it, and it introduces uh, John Kent. John Kent, yes. And um, as I spoke last week, first of all, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My apologies for being late, but you know, folks can't drive; you can't help it sometimes. But you know, like I said, I was telling Randy and uh, Tommy. Um, one thing great about my father, may he rest in peace. He did teach me there's more than one way to get somewhere, and I'm glad I'm here. Um, this book was great because everyone was wondering what was going to happen to, you know, the pre-Flashpoint. And this gives a little this gives a little more meat to the story because we have, as you addressed last week, our Superman that we grew up with. And we right. get to see him evolve to being a husband and a father. And this lays the groundwork right. for it. Because the great thing about that story is you find out as you're reading it, Superman and Lois and that metropolis actually gets yanked off that planet before the whole Flashpoint thing happens. So you find out even when Barry is out there once again screwing up the timeline, they have already been abducted, and we just, they just don't know on that world because Barry has screwed things up again. Right. It, like I said, it's a great story. I, I love the bit, and we're going to – I swear, uh, listeners, we're going to get past this, and we're going to go to our topic. I love the bit when he goes spies on the Justice League. And he's telling Lois, they're young and they're experienced, but I can see the potential. And you're just like, oh, this is going to be really good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So 
Here is our main topic for tonight. I actually had a lot of fun looking this one up and, and thinking about some of these moments. We are all experienced comic readers, or at least we like to think we are. At least yeah. we like to think that. Yeah. Um, but even us, with all our years of reading experience, and between the four of us, there's probably a combined 100 years of reading experience in this room. Um, even I, even us can have those moments where the creator, the writer, the artist, whoever, goes in a direction where we're like, crap, I didn't see that coming. Or better yet, when you know they're going to go somewhere and they do it anyway, and you're like, I'm surprised you had the backbone to do it. So that's what we're covering tonight. Those holy crap moments in comics where we're like, I give you props that you actually went there. Um, so... Let's see. Do I want to start with one or do I want to? You know what? Yes, I'm going to start with one because I was actually thinking about this one today. I'm going to have to go back and reread this. And I'm actually not going to tell you the book or the story or anything. I'm just going to give you the quote from the book and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Dan, I'm not some serial public villain. Why do you think I would tell you my grand scheme if there was even a remote chance that you could affect the outcome? I did it 35 minutes ago. Ah, that's an easy one. <laughs> yeah. Watchmen. Yes. And, and that was one, and I'll tell you why that one just blew my mind. And I par- probably paraphrased it, but that was close to what he said. Pretty close. Yeah. When I was reading it, I thought this was going to be another classic thing where Osmond Diaz is sitting there telling um, Night Owl and Warshock, well, here's my plan. You know, I'm going to do this. And it's going to be like all the other books where. The, the missile or the whatever it is that's going to get launched just as they'll see it leaving the compound. It's like, we got to stop, the, you know, right. whatever it is. Or they'll get there just before it does, and it'll be just the nick of time type of save thing. But then he'll have some <laughs> backup plan, and so it might still go off, and now we got to stop that. So the fact that Alan Moore just totally flipped it and had the, the villain go, I did it 35 minutes ago because I knew you could stop me, was just a mind blower because I had to stop and go, wow. Yeah, finally, well, finally, a villain who quit bragging about it and just freaking did it. He didn't right. pull, didn't pull a Doctor Evil from the Austin Powers movie. Right. I'm going to place them in an easy, escapable death trap and walk away and just yeah. assume it happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, and it's funny. That's uh, that's also like, I don't know if you ever watched Stripperella when it was on. Yeah, I'm going to say no. When I did she not, was getting uh, her, that pe- just sounded bad. When she was getting, <laughs> so I'll touch base on it at the end of the show. But it's actually just a really funny moment. Um, oh, who wants to go next? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Who wants to go next? I'll, I'll go next. Okay. Um, we're going to go back to the '90s for this one. Um, X-Men Second Series Number Twenty Five. Magneto rips the adamantium out oh of my Wolverine. God. Yes. Oh, yeah. Nobody saw that coming. I, I mean, it was crazy. And, and you'd think, you know, this, that's a pretty vicious thing, even for someone on, on Magneto's level to do, because that's just wow. I mean, I could see him doing something that to one of those, you know, common humans, but to another mutant, you know, that's, that was a big deal. It's kind of like, you know, reminds me of that scene of, of, from the Karate Kid, the, the original one, the good one. It says, we do not train to be merciful in this dojo. When man comes you at you, he is enemy. Enemy deserves no mercy. What is the problem, Mr. Lawrence? That's, like, that's right. And then he just rips out the adamantium. That was crazy. So now here's my question. Does that predate the first X-Men movie? Because remember, there's that great scene yes, on the, on the yes, subway where he's sitting there and he pops his claws and Magneto's manipulating. And he's like, that magnificent metal doesn't run through your entire yeah. body, does, does it? it? Yeah, yeah and, it and, does. I, and I honestly believe that they deliberately put that in there. Because they stole because it from the comic. Because, yes. because like, this happened in 92. Yeah, this was 92 that this happened. And uh, the X-Men movie came out in 2000. That's and, what. Yeah, I thought it was early 2000 yeah. when it came out. And, and that's why I was asking. When you said that moment, I was like, hmm, 
I wonder if that predates the movie. So now they that just tell well well hang on, okay, duh. Brian Singer directed it. He was obviously reading the comics. I think he's even stated that he's a comic book fan. Yeah, that's good. Then how did you screw up Superman Returns so bad? Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that that was that that's just a brutal way to, to take down an opponent, is just rip it out of his body and everything. It's just crazy. Right. So all right, you know sure next, you're up, you're up, you're up. Okay. I've got two that tied up. The first one was I had not thought about this until Tommy spoke about the X Men. That same year when North Star came out. He stole one of yours. Yeah, you stole one of mine. <laughs> I had that on there. That's what I'm that talking about. The, that was the one John Byrne for years had always alluded to the fact that Jean-Paul Bobier or North Star was gay, but he never came out and said it. And when they did that panel, when he said, not that it's anybody's business, but I too am gay. And I was like, March 1st, 1992 is the cover date. Alpha Flight 106. And I was like, they did it. They actually (laughs) came right out and they said it. I mean, like, it was like, it's something, and like I said, it's something that was, it was something that everybody knew, but still when, and I to this day don't know who wrote it, uh, let's but see here. they came yeah. out when he said, when he made that, that statement at the very bottom of that panel, that just spoke volumes. That sold the whole book right there. Scott Lobdell. Scott Lo- of Lobdell. course, Scott Lobdell, of course. Wrote it. Ex-writer extraordinaire. My second one was from last year. You had a feeling that it was going to happen, but you were praying that it didn't when Catwoman stood Batman up at the altar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was. You you knew it was coming. Well, but 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 like even though the New York Times tipped it off, the big surprise was that Bane was behind all of it. Oh. Well, that story's still ongoing, and, too, and that's so. still going on. But that was the big surprise, and all that that Bane was orchestrating all of this, and he has, and he only had just gotten started. So here's what's great about the story: you haven't read it, have you, Thomas? No, I haven't. So here's what's really great about that reading that story, and I don't care what anyone says about Tom King's writing; I love what he's doing on oh, Batman. Yeah. But I want to say it's issue either forty-eight or forty-nine. Catwoman and Joker are getting into it in this church. They're, they're fighting one another. Um, and Batman knows that she's gone after Joker. He just doesn't know where she's at yet. Um, and there's a scene where they have mortally wounded each other. And they're both laying on the, on the floor of the church. And they're, holding, they're both holding their, their gaping wounds, you know, trying to keep from bleeding out. Because they know if I let go of this, I'm dead. Right. And they're probably going to bleed out anyway because they're literally both laying there just holding it. And you can tell. There's just moments, and they're just both, you know, probably an hour away from death because they mortally wounded each other and they're bleeding out. And there's this great moment because for years you never know, is the Joker really crazy or is he just incredibly genius and plays it being crazy? And it's the one moment where he has this clear lucidity. You just know he is actually sane and rational. He's just a freaking evil genius. He tells her, you can't marry him. He goes, he can't do what he does if he's happy, and I need him to be who he is. Oh, <laughs> Remember that? Oh, yes. <laughs> that was 49. Yes. Because that laid the groundwork for her to make the decision. As you knew right there, she ain't marrying him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't, you know. A lot of people were very upset about that. I 
kind of thought it was like really the only natural thing to happen. I mean, this is Batman we're talking about well, here. Yeah, I, I think that was for one of two reasons. Because shortly after that, the new Catwoman series kicked off, mm. which is actually not bad. Um, Joel Jones, I mm-hmm. think, is the one writing that, um, and it's it's really good. I like it. But I also think Tom King has said countless times that his run on Batman is going to be a hundred issues, and I'm thinking this was the lead up to it. And Catwoman's like, I can't make you happy till I'm happy, and we're going to actually see the wedding in issue hundred. I have been. I have been saying saying that ever since I read 50 when even with the last panel seeing Bane behind this you knew that this was something that was far from over and I think this is all part of Batman coming full circle because I actually went I jumped on late with Tom King and I started reading some articles And what I'm loving about his run is that one of the biggest things that I've hated about ever since the uh, Tim Burton movie came out, and I guess because I'm old school, because I've been reading comics for like 40, I'm 52, I've been reading comics for 47 years. Same here, yep. Yep, okay, cool. Batman's psychological profile has never been an issue. To me, he was a modern-day Zorro. And he wasn't really gotten to that angst-ridden part until Danny O'Neill took over. But even though he did that, Batman still had a life. You still got the balance of Batman and Bruce Wayne. Right. And then when they started talking about, well, and I think it started with Batman the Animated Series because I actually got a copy of the series Bible, and Bruce Timm wrote it to where... Batman is the real identity, and Bruce Wayne is the disguise. Right, exactly. I have never, ever agreed with that. And the beautiful thing about Tom King's run on this is that we're dealing with, with Bruce Wayne right. now. And they're actually doing the same thing in the detective run now right. as well. So they have taken the cue. Uh, hey, Madman, you got any oh crap moments that you read and went, wow? Uh, it, it's not really a, a – it's more of a character. Okay. And I've always been like – what that couldn't exist, you know. It's just even even for a comic book, I'm just like uh, animal, vegetable, mineral, mineral, mineral man, AVM man. How does that how does that thing exist? It just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, it's I don't even know what they call that Me either. You don't know animal, vegetable. Uh, no. You're gonna to have to Google that and put it on a uh, yeah. On put a, that up on the on the Facebook so page. So I'm gonna give you the the abbreviation we shall be using from here on GTS, which is Google that shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I don't know that one, but damn it, now I want to see it because it's part animal, <laughs> it's part vegetable, it's part mineral. All right, they fought like Doom Patrol and stuff like that. Are you? I do not. Yes. Know this. Wow, <laughs> that 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 sounds like a, a very Silver Age DC thing. Oh, yeah. it's and it's every time I've seen this thing, I was just like, how can that thing? How can that be a thing? That's right up there with Cryptozoic Man that the guys from the Kevin Smith shop did their comic book mm. on. That I'm thinking, okay, I don't get it. All right, so. Madman's going to Google that and put it on the Facebook page. Yeah, we got to see that. I went to Wikipedia biography because I have not heard of this, and now you have me intrigued. Um, so I have another old crap moment, um, and this one actually took quite a while to play out, um, and it's actually one of my favorites, and I think a lot of people would even say this was the pinnacle of Marv Wolfman and George Perez's run on New Teen Titans. Teen Titans 26, 
they have the runaway story, and we get introduced to Tara Makoff, Tara. Tara. And she actually joins the team around issue 28. And she appears to be Gar Logan's age. You know, she's like 15, 16. And then, but up bump issue 34, we see her with Deathstroke the Terminator, and you find out she's a double agent. And, you know, we find this out in 34. It takes them, like, eight more issues for issue 42 and the Judas contract to come out. And you find out that she's actually a big traitor because, and that was such a great story because you get Nightwing, you get Jericho, you get Tara Markov, you know, uh, Markov, whatever her mm-hmm. name is, um, as, as the traitor. Um, but the thing that was, <laughs> and I don't know, maybe it's just me, the thing that seemed to be really disturbing about this is there are several scenes where she's smoking a cigarette. Okay, fine, no problem. There are scenes where she's wearing makeup, she's dolled up. Heavy. Oh, okay, fine, no problem. It's the implication that Deathstroke is sleeping with a 16-year-old girl that yeah. you're just kind of like, okay, now let's back up here. <laughs> is, he That's actually, a is he actually sleeping with an underage girl, or is she supposed to be in her 20s and just look 16? But that was a really great moment is because you don't see it coming. It is so out of left field that all of a sudden, boom, there she is. Because I remember in that issue, Deathstroke has actually attacked him. And she has actually fought with them and, like, pummeled him. And she's defeated him. And I'm thinking, okay, cool. And then the last panel, she's sitting there going, they bought a hook, line, and sinker. And he steps out of the shadows. And you're like, wow. Yeah. And then you think, like most comic books, that it's going to be revealed like two or three issues later. No, they go they go almost a year before they reveal it again that she's a traitor, which is good. That's you know the the slow burn is good like that. And and that is why that really truthfully immortalized the run by Marv Wolfman and George Perez, because that was like the ultimate storyline. And there was and this is about the time that I started reading. Uh, Teen Titans, and I got the annual thinking that it was going to be resolved in that particular issue. <coughs> I was so mad because it wasn't until um this was my junior year in high school. It was a month before we finished school for the year when they when they wrapped yep. it up. I bought that book the same well, time that I'm going to reveal my other what well, the yeah. hell moment. Well, yeah, because remember. It took place in 42, 43, 44, That's and right. wrapped in, I think, annual two or three. Right. Because, so yeah, it was the, the summer blockbuster. It used to be a time, uh, listeners out there, where your um, big two, Marvel and DC, would start this massive epic storyline that would drag out three or four issues and would be concluded in the giant size summer annual. I miss those days. Man, but those who were you awesome telling? days. But yeah, so that was, and like you said, it was so aggravating because you see her in issue 26. Two issues later, she's joined a team, and then, like, in issue 34, you find out she's a traitor, and then the rest of the series, she's fighting alongside the team, and you're just sitting there shouting at your page, she's a freaking traitor, you guys, wake up! That's what makes it great right there, because you, you know. Especially when, in the, in the uh, um, issue where Wally, where Dick Grayson and Wally West gave up being Robin and Kid Flash, because in that particular uh, right. issue, she's going, woo! Take it off. Take it well, off. Well, and also, too, she gets upset. She's like, I joined a team and now everybody's quitting. Yep. So, all right. Who's got the next, who's got the next oh, wow moment? I'll go for, go next. So the next oh, wow moment comes from us from Wonder Woman, Volume 2, Number 219, when Wonder Woman snaps ah, Max Lord's yeah. neck. That is epic. That was 
Fantastic. Now, was that in Wonder Woman or was that in Countdown at Infinite Crisis? Now, it, according to this, it was uh, by research online. It was in Wonder Woman two nineteen. And that, and that is where two. Maxwell Lord has gotten control of Superman. He's right? gotten control of Superman. Oh, that's right. And but, she gets the lasso wrapped around him, and she says, "How do I make you stop?" Right. And he says, "Kill me." Yeah. So she does. And so, she does. So for you readers who haven't read that arc, Maxwell Lord, who was always previously before that seen as a bit of a joke. Um, you find out actually has power, real power. And his power is that he can manipulate people. He gets inside your mind. He doesn't so much read your thoughts as much as he exerts control over that you're not aware of. It's a, it's a little small subconscious control. Well, he gets a hold of Superman. And at one point, he makes Superman see Doomsday, even though it's Batman. And Superman just beats the tar mm. out of him, puts him in the hospital. And Wonder Woman finds out that Maxwell Lord is doing it because there's a great scene upon the satellite. Brother I remember Batman's mm-hmm. satellite that he made, and they're fighting. And she has got one moment because he's in a blood rage again. He's seen Doomsday. She takes off Tiara, slings across the room, and hits Superman. And it's just enough of a stun that he stopped for a moment. And like Tommy says, she throws a lasso around Maxwell Lord, and she goes, "How do you? How do I stop this?" And and it's a little more elaborate because he tells her, "You can't stop it." He goes, "I have the world's greatest weapon at my disposal. I can turn them on whenever I want." And he first tells her, "The only way you can stop me, princess, is to kill, kill me." me. This, is, right. this is what he says specifically right here. You think I've lied to you, but I haven't. I can't. He's mine. I'll never let him go. You will tell me how to free him from your control. Kill me. Snap. Yeah. <laughs> there's a great moment where you see the look on her face, like, oh well, now she's something she's not going to, and then clink. Yeah, you just see the look in her eye here, and you're like, she's gonna do it. She's gonna do it, and then she does it, and she does it, and she does it. And you know, it's one of those things. You know, this is something that Superman or Batman wouldn't have done, right? But Wonder Woman. At the drop of a hat, she, yes. without hesitation. She's a warrior. She's bred for this. This is what she does. I mean, I'm not saying she's going out to try to murder anyone or everything, but she will do what needs to be done, and she proved it. Well, and that also, too, is uh, sets off a huge firestorm in the DC Universe because, A, the leak split stuff as a result of this. Yeah. Because Batman just straight up tells her, you cross a line. I don't care whose life was on the line. We don't kill. And she's like, maybe you don't, but on them as Sarah... That's all we know. That's all is, we know. Right. And and Superman was like, Bruce, you have to understand. He's like, no, Clark, there is no understanding. She crossed the line. And they split up. Yeah. And the and unfortunately, it didn't do well. But the final crisis storyline kicks off out of this. Right. Or actually, maybe Infinite Crisis kicks off. I think it's Infinite Infinite's next. Infinite cri- After this, Infinite Crisis. Because Infinite Crisis has the great scene, too, where the survivors from Crisis on Infinite Earths, Alexander Luther, Superboy Prime, and... Um, the original Superman the, and, and Lois Lane. And Anti-Monitor, or An Monitor, anti-mon- are sitting there looking at it, and they're going... We saved the wrong universe, and you just know it's going to blow up from there. Oh, yeah. Well, and let's face it. You know, having someone on the team that can do something like this that needs to be done is necessary. Oh, yes. Yeah, you need your Wonder Woman. You need your Wolverine. You know, you need the, the person that can, can do what needs to be done. But, yes, that, that was a fantastic one. Enos? Mine, getting back to what we were talking about earlier, I bought the same – I was I alluded to this a few moments ago – the same day that I bought the conclusion of um, the Judas contract, I also bought Alpha Flight number 12, The Death of Guardian. Yeah. That, that was – wow. That is a good pull. I forgot all about that. And John Byrne told <coughs> you. This is why I love John Byrne. 
John Byrne is like, I'm telling you what I'm going to do. <laughs> and he did it. <laughs> and you can sit there and think that I'm bluffing if you want, but you watch. And what the way he did it was unnerving at the same time because he had gotten Mac or James McDonald Hudson had gotten pummeled pretty bad to where his suit was severely damaged and was overheating. And the way Byrne did it, he drew Mac messing with the suit, but he did it in the number dude like it was counting down. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. And when one popped up, his wife Heather sticks her head yeah. in and in that Saws one moment, boom. Yeah, I, I remember that. Because you he even managed to draw it so that the hands look like they're getting more frantic as he's moving down the countdown. Right. Uh, and, and yeah, I remember that. Heather sticks her head in right as he blows up. And I think that's how issue twelve ends. Right. And you're sitting there going, Where's the rest? Yeah. <laughs> and that's how it ends. And you see this big fireball, this body that's in flames. And as he falls to the ground, he says, Heather. And, you know, the, the beauty of, of, of stuff like that, is, as, as comic book fans, you know, we're kind of conditioned to, to think that, well, everything's going to work out just fine when they get to one. Right. You know, it's just going to, everything's like going to be fine. Like Galaxy Quest. Right. The computer, right. it always stops at one It always show. stops at one <laughs> right, show. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the way, because that, that's the way it's, you know, you know, it's always written. So when something like that happens and it goes against the grain, it's fantastic. And what was great about that, everyone was guessing. Who it was going to be. Even the cover had everyone in crosshairs. Right. And just like the promo poster said, dot, 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 and one shall surely die. And what's funny is when you see it's... uh it was the Vindicator at the time, because Vindicator's who Heather becomes, right? Yeah. He's yeah. guarding. Yeah, she becomes Vindicator. when you see at the end, and, and you know a good two pages away from the end, oh, crap, it's him. Because <laughs> you see it coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I never read Alpha Flight. I might have to go back and check some of this uh, out. Alpha Flight is a pretty good run. really good, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, we'll be picking up the omnibus in a couple of weeks. Now, now naturally, it does tend to drag towards the middle there, but right. all of the Marvel comics had that problem around the 30s and the 40s. They started dragging a bit, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, someone needs to kick these things. Madman, you got another one over there? Uh, I was thinking, I was kind of surprised in, uh, I don't know, in, in uh, what is it, like, uh, curious about how it was going to play out when the Kingdom Come series was... Uh, Oh, that was, was so great. Yeah, it was such a good series. And uh, you knew as a reader that Billy Batson was there and he was, you know, was his Luther that was sitting on him? Well, and, he's grown up and he's yeah. one of Luther's henchmen now, yeah. And yeah. you're just wondering, it's like, how is, how is Lex going to play this? You know, you're, you've been sitting on this for a while and then you finally get to see it and you're like, because if, if he plays it the way he, I hope he plays it, I'm going to get to see these two guys fighting, you know. And we did. Yes, that's and exactly. So I mean, at the, through uh, reading that that book, or uh, it was the issues one at a time. I was just like, one, how is he going to play that? How is he going to play his hand with Shazam? That was Cat the one Marvel. where he was using the using the um, the lightning bolt to attack too, right? Yes, yes. Ye- yelling yes. Shazam and getting yeah. out of the way so the lightning bolt attack. Yeah, yeah. And, oh. isn't, and wasn't also in this that he was used that uh, Luthor found a way to replicate the Mister Mind worms and was putting them in uh, Billy's ear. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's also, that's also a great one, too, where Batman built the giant gulag and put all the um, supervillains in there and they were getting powerless. <laughs> Remember? So. That was a great series. Yeah, it was. 
That, yeah, it was. So Mark Wade doesn't get enough, does not get the props that he deserves as a writer. He's yeah. excellent. So one of my favorites here, I actually have a couple of them that are really awesome, um, and then a couple of nice honorable mentions. But one of the ones for me um, that was just amazing, and and I've read it like a good four or five times now because it just holds up that well, is, and it's got three events in it, is Identity Crisis. First off, the rape of Gene Loring. Right. Uh, it's just was, was just horrible. I mean, that's such a graphic scene. You're actually uncomfortable reading the thing, and then the brainwashing of Doctor Light when they're sitting there, and this is where I mean, this is just gets really disturbing because you got the seven Justice Leagues there, and they're, Batman has shown up. They freed Gene Loring from Doctor Light, and he goes, "I got to go back to Gotham, get her to the hospital, take care of him," and he goes off, and they're like, "Okay, we'll take him to jail." And he is just so lecherous. He's like, go ahead, take me to jail. I'll just get out, and I know where to find her again. And you're just like, oh, this guy's a bastard. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then Zantana goes, well, I can fix it so he never remembers who she is or where we are. And they vote to do it. So that in itself is bad enough. But then you find out a good three to four issues into the series that Batman came back um, and saw them doing it. So Yeah, that was a big surprise. And so then he freezes them. And now you're like, okay, well, now they're screwed. Now we're good. And they even said, oh, now we're going to do You know he's going to say something. Right. And then Zantana's like, we just fixed him, too. So. Yeah, big moment. Yeah. Big so decision. You, yeah. You've actually read that? I read that recently, yeah. So. And then the whole, the whole thing later on, too, where Green Arrow and Batman are on the rooftop. And they're talking, and, you know, there's always been this long history of Green Arrow just not agreeing with Batman's methods and yeah. disagreeing, disagreeing B- with him. his chops all the time. And Batman even says, you've always been hostile to me, Ollie. I don't know why. I've never done anything to you. It must be something you've done to me. And he swings out the building and leaves Ollie standing there, and you're just like, <laughs> and then Ollie's like, he knows. <laughs> and then the great scene, because there's so many great pivotal moments in there. i got to give it to Brad Metzger, on, the writer yeah, on this. I was about to say the same thing. Yeah. When when Dr. Light hires Deathstroke to take them out, and they all have a hold of him because they're trying to contain him, and all of a sudden, Dr. Light's memory comes back, and he's yeah. like, I know what you did to me. Yeah. And then Superman shows up. Well, they're sitting there whispering, and meanwhile, they're Superman, this conversation, an Superman, shot of Superman, Superman is checking on Black Canary, and he's like, you know, Clark can hear you. You know, like, he's Clark. He hears what he wants to hear, meaning there's so many things out there that he's learned to tune out ambient noise. Right. He could be hearing this conversation and not realize what's being said, or he could just be taking it in and leaving it. Yeah. So, Denny Crisis was another great one. And just like I said, that... That scene when she, when he shows up on the satellite and she goes, I've hit the alarm. You know, they'll be here. He goes, of course they will. But by then I've gotten what I wanted. You're just yeah. like, oh, God, this is not going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. who was it? That I thought it was Sue Dibney that he raped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, you're right. Yes. No, no, no. Sue Dibney dies. Yeah, because Gene Loring killed her. Right. Okay, yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, Gene God, kills I, her. Yes, I'm sorry. Sue Dibney dies. Yeah. Gene Loring's the one who kills her. Right. And the whole reason she kills her is because she's actually trying to get um, um, Ray, Ray Palmer, Palmer back. back with her. And the killing of Sue was a backlash. Right. And you find out about the rape as a second line. Yeah. That's right. Yes, I got it right. Yes, it was Sue Dibney that gets raped. We'll keep you honest. Yeah, that was definitely even uncomfortable to talk about. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, but because and. This led up to them killing off Elongated Man, which to this day I think was the dumbest move that DC has ever done because there are some characters that are just great being 
who they were created to be. Yeah. There was something special about Ralph and Sue Dibney, Dibney, oh, Lord, yeah. Dibney, Dibney as a couple, and Elon, she just enhanced elongated man. Right. She was he was he was kind of like the un the un uh, unsung heart and soul of the Justice League. John Jones and Martian Manhunter gets the credit gets the nom the nod for being the heart and soul of the Justice League. But right behind him is Ralph, Ralph and Sue. They were kind of like the moral compass and the ones that everybody looked to. And that was the only thing I didn't agree with. Because Brad Meltzer's a great writer. But the one thing I didn't agree with was they killed off Sue, and then that led him to be just like Aquaman was for about 25 yeah. years until they had his hand chewed off. Yeah, I do like the fact that the end, that in the end, they showed the, the two of them together in death. Oh, yeah. 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 Know, it, so that was, it was good. And, you know, if you had to kill him off, at least. At least you bought him back. They brought him back. Well, I also, and I love love at the very beginning of it when he's telling Firehawk, she's asking, "What is it about Sue?" And he tells her, she sits in a room with all these guys that the world idolizes. She's got Superman there. She's got Batman there. She's got Green Lantern there, and she doesn't notice any of them but me. And yeah, and, and 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 like, and that was one of one of the truly unsung love stories in comics. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was it was perfect. It, it, it was it, it was great, and it just saddened me. That they had to kill him off like to, that, but to, yeah, like to, you say that yeah, the they had to of, kill him to to shine a light on it. Yeah, right, you know, right. And to get the uh, and uh, and it was really sad at the end of Identity Crisis where Ralph is going to bed and he's talking to talking Sue like, to she's, Sue, still like she's still there. And I'm like, if you don't feel that, if you ever loved anybody, you got a hole in your soul if you don't, because mm-hmm. like that was like, oh wow, that yeah, you was just like. Brad Meltzer, you know, but it was a great story. Well, but you know what else I loved about that? They found Deathstroke's weakness in that. Oh, yes, they you did. You remember yeah. when they were all fighting each other, they jumped him. And he cut Hawkman's harness. He did everything to everybody. And then Green Arrow shot him in the eye, and he did that. Yeah. And if you want to beat Deathstroke, you Take make him mad. Blind eye, yeah. yeah. You make him mad. <laughs> Because he is he's in control the whole fight. You're yep. not gonna beat him. But if you get him off kilter, you can yeah. beat the hell out of him. Well, I love the part when he punches black uh, canary in the solar plexus and she starts throwing up and he's taking her out to fight just by making her ill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah, and, and, and isn't that the fight where he cuts off all the, the feathers off of Green Arrow's quiver? Yep. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, Green Arrow goes, You missed and he goes, No, no I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I love well, Deathstroke. And that also had a really great moment where Batman, as Ultimate Detective, is sitting there digging further into it because the killer just doesn't work for him. And he keeps asking himself, you know, the, the number one question, who benefits? And then you see those little feet print, you know, on her brain and you realize, <laughs> mm-hmm. okay, there's something bigger going on here. Yeah. Or that, smaller. Yeah. That was such something a smaller going smaller. on. There you go. Great. <laughs> and also, um, there was an underlying story from from a story that I read when I was in the sixth grade about how there was this particular episode, um, issue of Justice League where the villains switched did switch places mind wise with the members of the oh, Justice yeah, League, yeah. right? And what they didn't address is that. In the, in that story, but what they did not the brainwashed so they wouldn't remember. Right, and that they all took their mask off to see who they were. Right, 
So these guys knew who the Justice League well, was. So that was another reason for the mind. Right. Work. Well, here's what I really loved about this one. And it's a, a subtle con- context thing that I read into it. So you find out that, well, we believe Dr. Light killed him. And Wally's like, Dr. Light, that guy's a joke. We used to beat him all the time as a teen tiger. Yeah, right? yeah. And he's like, well, he didn't used to be that way. But think about this. As a reader in the world of DC Comics, all we've ever known has been the joke character. Right. So not only does Zantana wipe the hero's minds, she wiped the reader's minds as well because we never knew the nasty version of it. Right. Exactly. exactly. And, and it's like, and just like you said, it was a very that was a very good point where Wally talking about, we used to kick this guy's butt all the time. Right. Yep. And be, because, let's face it, the way they wrote him back in the 70s, dude right. was lame. So I actually read it that Zantana's spell was all-encompassing. It even reached out to the readers and we never knew there was a badass version of Dr. Right. Light because it was wiped. Yeah. So that's some really good ones. We're running about out of time, so I want to mention some of the ones that we didn't get to because they're still really awesome, and I want to see who got them on their list. Um, so, Batman the Killing Joke, Rape of Barbara Gordon, and the whole tied and naked James Gordon on the amusement ride, seeing the pictures. I mean, that in itself was disturbing just no. reading it. Yeah. Um, another one, and I'm, I'm digging into a couple of good ones here, um, Swamp Thing, the anatomy lesson story. Again, by Alan Moore. Do you know this one? Ah. So for years, we always labored under belief that Alec Holland had been turned by his potion and was looking for a cure. The anatomy lesson, you find out that, no, Alec Holland actually died. And your your serum formed a sentient creature out of the muck and the mire from the swamp. And you have the subconscious memories of Alec Holland. The man himself is dead. And that was a great story. It's called The Anatomy Lesson, and it's in trade paperback. I would suggest reading that one. That, that was, was when, uh, was that when uh, Stephen Bissett was and John Tolderman were, were doing the artwork on there? I believe so. It was a Saga of the Swamp Thing series that started yeah, off. Yeah, And yeah. around issue 19 or 20, they went straight more into a horror line. And Alan Moore writes, I think that's his first arc on it, The Anatomy Lesson. Wow. And then, of course... The classic Death of Captain Marvel graphic novel. Nope. That's one, you know, you were talking about wanting to do um, storylines, and you brought up the, uh, you know, favorite storylines. You brought up the Clone Saga. That's a, that's one I want to want to dig into one, one of these days is, is to do the Death of Captain Marvel. Well, the thing that's so great about it is his, here's this great hero who's fought all these cosmic threats, and cancer is what takes him out, a exactly. very human disease. So, And, and I'm not going to lie to you. I, when I, the first time I read that, I liked it, and I enjoyed it, but I had not experienced any loss in my life at that point. So I have a feeling that when I go back to read that again, that it's probably going to be a tough read because I have since lost people in my life, and I have lost them to cancer. Right. So I think it's going to make me feel different ways now. So I do want to read it, but I have a feeling it will probably be a tough read for me. And yeah. a brief backstory on that. Jim when Jim Stalin wrote this, he did that. Um, the back the background of that was his father's battle and ultimate mm-hmm. passing from cancer. So this was the first comic book where I actually felt what the character was going through, and this and it is what influenced me to be a comic book writer because I'm like, if if this guy can hit me like this. Because when I first read it, it was at a time I was in senior in high school, had no idea what I was going to do. Yep. And it was one of those. Um, that was that was one of the one of the best. And we'll books. make sure we cover that on one of our stories. A couple more I got here. I think this came out of um, Avengers Disassembled. I really don't remember. It might be from the House of M story. I sorry, I don't remember the the context where it came from. But Scarlet Witch is muttering, 
no more mutants. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. she realizes that mutants have been the cause of all her pain in her life, and suddenly she takes it down to like, what, 100 and some or whatever? Well, it was 106, I want to say. And, yeah. and you're like, wow, Marvel's just going to let Bendis get rid of mutants like that. And then, obviously, and this one was still a very powerful story, and it was disturbing to me when I read it, um, an alias, Purple Man's Rape and Control of Jessica Jones is another great storyline. Um, in the very first Alias series that Bennis did with Jessica Jones, a long part of that is the whole year that Purple Man had her under control. Wow. So yeah, I they re- did that with the, uh, with the TV series, too. Right. So I recommend going back and reading all those. Um, again, guys, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, want to add something, you can reach us on Facebook, just Lost in a Long Box. We have our Gmail address, Lost in a Long Box at gmail.com. We have our Twitter feed, which is what, Thomas? Lost in a Long B1. Yes, it is. So that's all the time we have. And for I've this also week. linked my pages to us too. Oh yes, you did. Um, and I think I think they're pinned on there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, realm, the realm of comics, of superheroes, comics, and pop culture, and Batman, yesterday, today, and forever. And he actually put um, a Nicholas Scott uh, Detective One Thousand variant uh, post on there as well. So, all right, guys. Until next time, we're going to be down here finding out what other oh crap moments we overlooked. Because why, Thomas? We're lost in a long box. Yes, we are. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. night. Bye. Yeah. Yeah, um, like I said, at the time, that one didn't make me cry, but I have